Hey, thanks for checking out this sermon. It's designed to help you take your next step with Jesus. And if you need additional help on how to do that, we have a Next Steps page on our website that you can check out. Also, if you haven't been able to attend a service at any one of our campuses recently and participate in the time of giving, you can give anytime you want online by visiting our Give page or by texting to give. We hope that God speaks to you in this sermon. Take care.
everything, let everything that has breath. Praise the Lord. I thank you for life. I thank you that we are alive for this moment here. These God-given breaths to worship you. You provide in so many incredible ways. And I thank you, Lord, for the life, the breath, the love, the mercy, the forgiveness, the redemption, the restoration, the revival that you provide for us. And so we pour out our praise. We say thank you. We acknowledge your goodness. We do this together because you are so worthy. We worship you. Amen. Amen. You can be seated. Well, it's great to be worshiping across the East Bay. Um, today, we want to greet those of you that are on other campuses, those of you that are uh, watching online around the world, those of you that are uh, in, in incarcerated and you're uh, watching there in your cell or you're reading the transcript of this message. Uh, we've, been, we've been talking about how we can love the Lord with all of our heart. Uh, and today, we're, uh, we're talking about one specific way uh, that we do that. There are many ways that we show the Lord how much we, we love him, but none is so obvious to him as when we get up on a beautiful October morning and there's these different options uh, in front of us of what we could do, and we decide to come to church. And God sees that, and he's, he's blessed because we want to gather uh, we, with each other. We choose to spend time uh, worshiping him. You know, showing up on the weekend is so... Uh, important. Uh, when you can't get in here, it is great to be able to watch online, but I hope you're making that the exception rather than the rule, uh, and for good reason, because as convenient as it can be just to stay home, it's not the same. Uh, we have been worshiping and experiencing God in this room. Uh, you know, the sermon, it's pretty much the same. You could watch it on any screen, and it's, it's about the same, but the worship I mean, I guess you could stay home and watch the worship leaders lead us, but that's what you'd be doing. You'd be watching. I mean, be honest. How many of you that were just watching that worship set were just belting out those songs uh, along with us? Um, there's nothing like being at church when we sing uh, together. When the worship leaders hit that first chord, they take us right into the presence of God. Uh, our worship logs us into the absolute center of the cosmos where God is and where, thank God, he's there uh, controlling and connecting and, 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 and working out his plan for us. And uh, for, that's why we're so grateful to be called uh, his children because when we worship, we plug into these eternal realities and the, uh, the temporary uh, fades away. The old saints used to sing, turn your eyes on Jesus and the, the things of, uh, of this earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and his uh, grace. And this is so important because sometimes during the week, we do forget about heaven. Uh, what's happening here has consumed all of our attention. Uh, but then we, we gather and remember the eternal side of our existence and, 
and, and how wonderful that is that when we said yes to Jesus, and do you remember when you said yes to Jesus? Uh, that was a powerful moment in your life. You know, maybe some of us, you know, it took a while. We were resistant. You know, we, we, we treated God like he'd be lucky to have us, you know, and we're just not sure. And, uh, and, then, uh, and, 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 and then we said, wait, what am I doing? And we said yes to Jesus, and we were adopted into this huge family uh, with this loving uh, Father, a God who is, is for us. And on some weekends, that's exactly what we need to remember. You know, you never know what a week will hold. Uh, this last week was a crazy week uh, in, in my life. Uh, Thursday, my grandson fell off the monkey bars and broke his arm in two places. Those stinking monkey bars, why do they still have those, you know? I may sue the school, I don't know, I'm really angry about this. But he was in pain, and then when I heard later, I was reminded, you know, they can't even give you an aspirin at school. So till his dad got there and authorized uh, that, uh, he was just suffering. So then when I heard that story, I was suffering, because that's my grandson. And uh, that was Thursday, but on Monday, uh, Brenda's dad finally went to be with the Lord, and, uh, and we were mourning that. I was kind of in a fog uh, on Monday and Tuesday. You never know what a week will hold, but one thing's for certain, God's not in a fog, and uh, God knows exactly what's happening, and when we gather on the weekend, we are reminded, yeah, we're not in control, but our dad is, and knowing that our father is in control and he does all things well, uh, I especially needed the worship uh, today. The singing reminded me of who I am and uh, who I belong to. You know, when we worship him in song, we, 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 we we're reminding our spirit about him. And we see him as we should see him. And without the relief of regular worship, we just get stuck in our own mind. And uh, we, we try to handle all our own problems by ourselves and... And, and deal with our memories and, and sometimes our shame. And we try to fight our addictions without him. But then when we worship, that unlocks in our, and we say, oh yeah, um, I, I've got this other power source and this ability. Uh, and, and, and I have this, this group that will share my burdens uh, with me. And so when we gather together, we, we, our burdens do feel lighter because uh, we share them. And no greater way than just, just worship together. Um, around here, one of the main ways we worship is that we sing. So I want to talk to you about singing today. Uh, I want to explain to you why every weekend we gather, we sing, and why that's important, and what happens when, when we sing, and what doesn't happen when we don't sing. And you know what? I'll just, right off the bat, I'll tell you, I'm going to try to convince some of you who I've noticed don't sing. Um... You, you, some of you come late on purpose, and you tolerate the singing until we get to the, the sermon. You know, the sermon's the thing. Uh, but, you know, singing is so very important. I want to talk to you about that today. Um, and, and singing's always been a key element in Cornerstone Gatherings. Ever since we were a Bible study in, in our home 25 years ago, and I got out that guitar and surprise, you know, the group didn't know I was such a good guitar player. Um, they still don't know. Uh, but I know five chords, and you know, you can play about 60% of all worship 
choruses and songs if you know five chords on the guitar. It's a secret. You think these guys are all talented and everything, but yeah. Uh, and so I, I led the group in worship for a while, and I just got to tell you, it was painful for all of us. Um, but then worship leaders uh, started to emerge, mainly out of sympathy. Uh, and uh, so now Cornerstone on five campuses today was led by the most beautiful uh, uh, voices. You know, I was thinking about my childhood. As a boy, I grew up with music all around me, in our home, in our car, at church. It's, even at school, I gravitated towards bands and orchestras and choirs where we performed all kinds of, of music. And when I was a little kid, every Sunday morning, we went to church, and the kids went off to what we call children's church. And it was a blast. They had prizes, and they had, it was, you know, they, there were these folks up there that, that seemed to understand us, and, and, and we didn't have to sit still, and we didn't have to be quiet, and we could compete with the girls, and sometimes we won, and, uh, and, and I, I, I liked church as a, little, as a kid, and, one, and the thing that I liked the most was the music. Um, and the, we sang these songs, and I found out later they were designed to embed scripture in our brains and to teach us Christian doctrine, which I needed because then I became a teenager, and I, I didn't really listen to a whole lot of Christian music. Uh, uh, my musical choices were, were like my friend's musical choices. And I had a stereo down there in the basement in my, in my bedroom. And I'd crank that stereo up. I'd put my favorite LPs on. And my parents' bedroom was right above my bedroom. And I don't know why they chose that uh, for me to have that, that room down just below them. I think they regretted it. I remember one time my dad coming down and knocking on my door and, uh, and, and wanting me to turn down my music. But how could I turn it down? I was listening to the Doobie Brothers. And you don't listen to that music softly. My dad came in and he wanted me to turn it down, but then he saw the album cover on my, uh, on my bed and the picture of these guys. Uh, it didn't bode well for me with my dad because this didn't look like the guys at church so much. And, um, but just when he prepared, was, I could just see he was getting ramped up for a lecture. And the Doobie Brothers came on with, Jesus is just all right. And I was like, Dad, listen, they're, they're worshiping our Lord. <laughs> I'm pretty sure they weren't, but... It got me out of the lecture, so that's, that's a good thing. Uh, the Doobie Brothers as a worship band is an interesting thought. Um, but then at church, we did sing a lot. You know, uh, Pentecostals do like to get their praise on, and uh, the fast songs would get us clapping, even dancing a little bit. Uh, the slow songs reminded us of that timeless truth and what God had done for us, and then the hope uh, that, we, that we had in him, our, our, our spirits were lifted when we sang it. And, and you know, I, I, honest, I honestly think God liked it. Uh, he liked it too. So Cornerstone, we do that. We, we worship God every week by singing to him, by singing about him. And hopefully you share my love for congregational singing. But then again, um, maybe you don't. I don't know. Uh, you might be one of the people who just endures it. Uh, or maybe you listen and you, you like the sound of it, but you don't really 
enter in. You know, I get it. You, you've never really sung much. It just it feels kind of unusual to you, actually, to, to, to sing in a group of people. But I want you to consider making an effort. Uh, out of consideration for me and out of obedience to God, I want you to think about why you don't sing when we sing. Um, but as I talk to you today, I promise to be nicer than the great reformer Martin Luther. Uh, he loved congregational singing, and he did not have any patience for people who didn't. Here's what he wrote. Uh, music, he wrote, is God's product and God's gift. And anyone who does not regard singing as a marvelous creation of God must be a clodhopper indeed. <laughs> there it is. He said it. He said clodhopper. He went there. That person does not deserve to be called a human being. That person should not be permitted, that should be permitted to hear nothing but the braying of asses and the grunting of hogs. <laughs> Saying Martin Luther, be harsh. <laughs> but he was irritated because he knew that God loves it when we sing. One of the reasons we know how much God loves it when we sing is he, he gives us, uh, what's the, the, the longest book in the Bible? Psalms. 150 chapters. And you know what those chapters are? Songs. He gives us songs. He even gives us songs about singing. Uh, Psalm 96. Oh, sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord all the earth. Sing to the Lord. Bless his name. Tell of his salvation from day to day. Psalm 47. Sing praises to God. Sing praises. Sing praises to our king. Sing praises. Did you see that? In just four verses, we are told seven times that God wants us to sing. All told, the Bible contains over 400 references to singing, and 50 times they are direct commands for us to sing. So we're gonna obey the Lord, but it's nice to know why. Why is it so important to God, uh, not just that we say that we love him, but that we sing that we love him? I mean, why not just gather and talk and pray and read our Bibles and listen to a sermon and, and uh, why, why, why sing? Well, for so many reasons, uh, starting with how singing a phrase instead of saying a phrase embeds it into our brains forever. I mean, you know what this is like. Have you ever caught yourself singing a song? You heard it. You were at, I don't know, Starbucks or something, and you heard a song that you haven't heard for 20 years, but you still know the words of that song, don't you? Um, you know, advertisers have, have um, always known this. Yeah about us, that if they could get us singing it, we'll remember the product. Let me, let, me, let me just demonstrate right now. You ready to demonstrate with me? Let's see if you remember. All right, ready? Finish this song. Ready? Give me a break. Give me a break. See, there it is. How about this one? I am stuck on Band-Aids because... <laughs> you even did the little, you know. See, there it is. Try another one. Peyton Manning. Nationwide is... <laughs> uh, how long could you remember a jingle? Here's one from 42 years ago. You ready? Plop, plop, fizz, fizz. Oh, you're dating yourself. All right, here's one from 56 years ago. 
56 years this has been in your brain. Oh, I wish I were an Oscar Mayer. You said wiener in church. You said wiener. <laughs> that is what I truly like to be. Because if I were an Oscar Mayer, everyone would be in love with me. Yeah. The most enduring part of our brain is the place where it stores thousands of songs. But we are hardwired to collect and remember and categorize and then be able to pull up uh, music more than any other thing. It's a good thing because if Nationwide hadn't taught us to sing it, we wouldn't even know they're on our side. <laughs> if you want to teach a preschooler the entire alphabet two years before they ever know how to read, what do you do? You sing it. Researchers, researchers at Keele University in the UK have discovered that a one-year-old child selects and prefers the songs that their mother sang and, and, and played while they were in the womb. Their brain was already storing music. You know, we see this at the end of life as well. Uh, my, my dear father is in, uh, there in the assisted living in uh, Lake Morton Plaza, Lakeland, Florida, and uh, he suffers from Parkinson's and dementia. So there's sometimes when he has trouble even remembering his family members' um, names. But you know what he does remember? Songs. He's got Hymns of Glorious Praise songbook uh, right there by his recliner. And every day about 10 o'clock in the morning, his, his routine is to grab that, um, that hymnal, open it up, and start singing. And you know, he just, all he has to do is look at the title of the song, and then he sings all four verses perfectly. Uh, and it's not just the words he's remembering. You can tell by the look on his face. He's being uh, uplifted by remembering times when he's sung these songs, when he's led these songs. And, uh, and, he, and God is transporting him back to those days, uh, and then also giving him hope uh, for his for his future. When, when dad sings, the healthiest part of his brain uh, takes over for a few minutes. And that's wonderful because it, it, it makes him happy and hopeful and makes him feel like he's a child of God. Um, he gets really frustrated when he can't remember things. So when he sings, it, it, it even feels more of a man, actually, because he's, ah, yeah, I can remember this. And, uh, and that's what I want for you when you're 86 years old. But it's not going to happen if you aren't singing now. Um, singing is the way that it embeds uh, in your soul. Uh, it's the best way to memorize scripture. It's the best way to memorize Christian doctrine. The Apostle Paul knew this. He said to the, ch the church at Colossae, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And there were no preachers in history that understood this better than the Wesley brothers. Charles Wesley wrote 6,500 hymns with every imaginable Christian doctrine because he wanted the church to remember uh, songs like Come Thou Long Expected Jesus and Oh For a Thousand Tongues to Sing and Christ the Lord is Risen Today and Hark the Herald Angels Sing. Anchoring the truth right into our souls in places that it will never disappear. This week, um, John Orozco brought all the worship leaders together 
um, not only to sing and lead us in that cool song where we were all singing together across the East Bay a few moments ago, but also to talk about worship. Uh, here's a little bit of what they said. So each of you, you play a really important role for our church. Each weekend we come, we gather, and we sing. Those are the things that you lead. You lead the singing for our church. And it's interesting. We start with it. We close with it. It's important. We know that it's going to happen. Our people come and they expect a song, a moment where we're just uniting our voices. First of all, why do we do it and what happens when we sing together? Yeah, so when we come together on a weekend, I think we have an opportunity to connect to what's really going on. There's this like very thin veil between our reality and God's reality. And for a moment during worship, it's like this curtain gets pulled back and we get to experience the unseen, this very real spiritual realm where God sits on the throne. And it, the Bible tells us that there's angels and people in these crazy, bizarre-looking beings, creatures that sit around the throne of God and they worship day in and day out because they are in the full glory of God. And when you're in the full glory of God, I feel like you have no response but to worship, to praise, to say, holy, 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 to say, worthy is the lamb who was slain. And this goes on forever and for always. And here we are, we come in here on a weekend carrying whatever it is we're carrying in, whether we've had an amazing week or we've had a really difficult one. And just for a moment, we get to remember the hope of our future, that God is telling us to have faith that we will also have this reality around the throne room with him, worshiping, saying, holy, 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 in the fullness of who he is. And so when we worship on a weekend, it's not like we start worship. We just jump into the flow of what is always going on and always will be going on. And essentially, we just join the choir. Now you're talking about jumping in. And you, you said something about people who come with these difficult circumstances because I know every week that there are so many different stories that are being brought into the room. And sometimes you're carrying like a heavy weight, a heavy burden. And so, Alicia, what does worship do for you when you're carrying something that's really hard? It feels like there's a weight or something blocking you from entering in and just singing because you have real life going on. Um, what does that mean for you? A question that I've been struggling with lately is, if everything is failing around me, if, every, if the world is just crashing down and everything is just crumbled underneath me, what does my worship look like at the end of the day? And it's something that has challenged me to say, okay, God, you've called me to this thing. You've called me to worship you. And even in my lowest moments, even in my sorrow, even in my deepest pain and deep, deepest hurt, I still wanna worship you with everything that I have because you're worthy of every ounce of my being. You created me for this. And so I'm going to do it. Yeah. And, and at Cornerstone, we sing these songs about, like, the promises of God. And I know that whenever I, I get to lead songs that talk about the promises of God, I, I feel this, like, collective, like, sigh of relief in, in the room. Like, oh, everything around me is so unsure. People around me are letting me down. This circumstance that I'm in is so uncertain but we can rely on this promise of God because we know it's true. We know that his promises never fail. Uh, we know that we can rest on this. And so in, in this moment that people are standing on like the shaky ground where things seem to be crumbling around them, they, they are able to sing these songs of God's promise and they can stand firm um, in the midst of their situations. Yeah. Yeah. 
It's interesting, there's a lot of things that we bring into a worship environment, our difficulties and our joys, and a lot of that sort of informs the choices or the decisions we make, whether we're gonna enter in or pull back, Uh, but I love the encouragement that I hear from you of these are promises of God and they help me with my burdens or I'm choosing this even in difficult moments to worship you. And so on the spectrum of people who come into our services, some are feeling a lot of pain, but others have so much joy and God has provided so well and filled us with so much blessing that they just wanna express it and celebrate and thank God for what he's doing. Uh, what does that look like for you, Matt? Yeah, I, I, you, you just said it. You, it's a response. Yeah. It's a response to, I think we can all testify to that, of we've seen God move in our life a situation or a circumstance that we face that we're just praying, we're like, God, we don't really know why we're in this. Then God shows up in a way that only he can. And we respond from that. And that just fuels our joy. And it could be a number of different things. We, we've had some major milestones as a church where we've been uh, for like the Brentwood campus moving into a building. And then from that, we've seen lives go from death to life. Students just come off the streets because they see students playing in front of a building. And you're like, oh, if this wasn't here, you know, but, and we, so we've seen God's provision in that, but then also just across all of our campus, there's stories of people who have gone through something crazy, but then God has showed up through, through someone else loving them and through paying bills or whatever it could be. And that just fuels our, our joy and our strength of like, man, from this place, we have our only just natural reaction is to just adore God with everything we have, sing louder, praise him with our, with not just our songs, but also with our life and our choices that we choose to make. So good. In many ways, it, like, it completes the joy. I celebrate with my, my kids. I celebrate with my wife. I celebrate with my friends, my family, my church, but we know every good and perfect gift, it comes from God. And so when you can celebrate with this family of believers and it's connected to the giver of good things, it really does give us a place to complete like this expression of joy. And we have many expressions in this church, five campuses. They all express worship in different ways. This is a church that leans in on the creativity that's necessary to minister to these different cities. No, what's that been like for you to witness sort of the way that worship has sort of actualized or transpired in these different campuses? Yeah, I mean, I have uh, got the awesome opportunity to play at each uh, campus, all five of them, and even within the student ministries. Uh, the cultural differences between each of them are visible, you can totally notice them. And you look at the Bible, you look at the culture of worship from generation to generation, from area to area, and even within that, people uniquely connect to worship in their own way. I mean, you look at David, he had uh, his harp and he danced undignified and he sang loud and he was just full of worship. But then you look at Mary, who was a little more reflective, a little more quiet, uh, writing her song. Very different, but all going for the same goal. And so within this church, within these five different campuses, we all have the same goal. We all have God at the center and we're all reflecting and thanking him and we're full of hope for what's to come. So no matter how we get there, no matter what we connect to, what creativity God has put in us, we know the truth at the center of it, that if it's upbeat, if it's slow, we know that God's truth is right there in it. And that's, that's what we're all striving for. So singing truth um, heightens its emotional um, impact. Um, for instance, 
I could just recite the words to Amazing Grace to you, and it, it would be okay. It would be like me saying a poem or something, but it wouldn't have near the impact if we just stopped and sang Amazing Grace. Uh, I think a great example of this is the song, It Is Well With My Soul, because we just repeat the same phrase over and over. What if I just stood up here and, and gave you the chorus to It Is Well With My Soul like this? It is well, it is well, with my soul, with my soul. It is well, it is well, with my soul. It is well, it is well, with my soul, with my soul. It is well, it is well, with my soul. That was kind of awkward, right? I mean, you, if I really did that, you'd be like, Steve, we get it. It's well with your soul. Move on. But then what if Alicia got up here and led the song? It is well with my soul. Then the repeated phrase isn't annoying at all. As a matter of fact, as the, as the, as the, 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 the keyboard kicks in and the harmonies uh, do what they do, we don't want the song to end. We want to just keep singing that phrase over and over because every time we sing it, we feel better. And because uh, we have slowed down and we have reminded our soul that everything is okay. And not only is it good for us as individuals, when we, when we sing together, it aligns us together uh, as one uh, a group. When we sing together, those that are singing are having a common physical experience. Now, I mean, that's been proven by scientists. Five years ago, Swedish researchers hooked up an entire choir to EKGs, and they, as they sang, uh, something that they thought was going to happen, happened. Before the song was over, the choir's heartbeats were completely synchronized. Every single member of the choir who was singing was synchronized. The guys that were listening, however, no, they weren't. It was as if singing had brought, to get, brought the group together with one heartbeat. And as the music crescendoed, the heartbeat increased. And as the music faded, the heartbeat uh, slowed down. Singing together was bonding them physiologically. When we sing in worship, that's what happens to those of us who are singing. And everyone else are just spectators of a group of people having a really great experience together. Um, you know, one of the things I love about soccer that I wish we had in baseball and uh, other sports that I enjoy is in soccer, the fans all sing the cheers. And so, uh, you know, I had the, I, I was able to, I was in uh, Liverpool and we, our, our family follows Liverpool. And when, when those Liverpool's fans in that stadium sing, you never walk alone, I'm telling you, that's a spiritual experience. Um, and honestly, it's like when Christians gather at Cornerstone on Christmas Eve and we sing, Oh, Holy Night. I mean, you could have stayed home. I mean, and not fought the crowds and tried to get a seat in the auditorium instead of the overflow. But you came. And why'd you come? Well, it's Christmas Eve, but also you're hoping that, uh, that we keep that tradition where, you know, we, the lights go down and we all light our candle and, uh, and, and we, we, we reflect on this night when Christ was born, and they, they were saying, fall on your knees, oh, hear the angel voices, and all of us, our spirits are just one, and come to find out, our hearts are beating uh, synchronized together. Uh, recently, I saw Chance the Rapper on Stephen Colbert, and both of these guys go to church, and they were talking about church, and uh, uh, Colbert, Colbert asked Chance, what do you experience when you go to church? And he said, the singing. 
And he said, why is the singing so important to you? And he says, well, singing is praying twice. And Colbert was a little puzzled at first, and so Chance the Rapper said, it's like this, it's like, it's like you can say it, but when you sing it, it, it's with more fervor. And then Colbert, then he jumped in and he said, yeah, you know, words have their own meaning, but, 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 but then when the words are put to music, the expression of your heart comes through in a way that the words alone cannot capture. Stephen Colbert went on to compare it to the parables. He said, it's like how the parables of Christ explain a truth that cannot be told in any other way. You know, I think when we speak the truth, we keep it in black and white. When we sing the truth, it goes into color. Uh, so I think speaking the truth, it keeps it at a two-dimensional level, uh, uh, the cerebral. When we sing the truth, then it goes into that third uh, dimension, providing a soul connection. And you know, at Cornerstone, we've always done well with the cerebral connection, with, with hey, let's open our Bibles, let's find out what it means, uh, let's, let's figure out how to apply this. Uh, but our gatherings are much more than that. Our gatherings are also us making an emotional connection with God and with each other. You've got to make an emotional connection, even with the sermon, so that the truth of what we're talking about will go from here to here. And uh, uh, because we were created not only with a mind, but with a soul, and emotional experiences are good and necessary and, and healthy. Uh, and so if the, worship, if the worship leaders are doing their job, you are having an emotional experience uh, when you come and you, you sing with us. Um, that is, those of you that are joining us to sing and not just observing. Um, that emotional, that experience is what makes worship leaders want to be worship leaders. And in the, in the last segment of this video, they talked a little bit about that. Let's watch this. All right, so... How has worship sort of shaped you or changed you or caused you to understand who God is in a new way, in a specific way? Does anybody have a story? Yeah, um, one particular time that I'll never be able to forget. Uh, when I first started coming to Cornerstone, it actually was through a missions trip. We went to Kenya and we did kind of a music trip where we brought instruments and we taught a bunch of the kids how to play instruments and mostly we did a ton of worship. and. I think I went into the trip feeling like I was gonna go and be a helper and I was gonna go help fix things that were broken. And I remember standing on this stage in front of this crowd of people and um, I remember seeing the song, We Are Hungry for More of You. And some of these people were starving. And I was just like, God, what am I doing seeing this song right now? Like I just felt like everything I had brought into the trip was performative or um, assuming that I had something better or different to offer these people. And in that moment, I just realized, like, we're all broken and desperate. Like, we all experience that. And I've never been hungry a day of my life. And here you are saying, you know, we're hungry for more of you. And their worship has changed my worship. It's something I'll never be able to forget. It humbles me every time I remember it. And like you're seeing, it makes me cry because... That could be me, and I hope in that exact situation I'd be singing that I'm hungry for him. I literally met Jesus through a worship set, even though I didn't even know who he was before I started singing in that moment. Uh, my mom kind of sent me to this Christian conference, and 
I was with what felt like a bunch of weirdos in a room. I was like, who are these people singing to? And what is this guy talking about up there? And the worship team came on and they started in this moment of worship. And the pastor was like, if, 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 if that's you today and you wanna give your life to Jesus. Even in that moment, I was saying, no, this is totally not for me and why am I here? But it literally happened so fast where I literally, the next thing I knew, I was down on my knees crying and just saying, I love you, Jesus. I love you, Jesus. I love you, Jesus. And literally, there is just no other feeling like that where Jesus comes to meet you at this time that you just, you didn't even expect, and he's there. That's why worship is so dear to my heart, because I, I met Jesus through worship, and he met me there. And it's just such a special thing for me now. I can look back on that, on that moment um, back in 2007, and I'll never forget it. I'll never forget it. So you met Jesus through worship, and that's what we hope every, every weekend, that there's this encounter that happens. We sing these songs, and we try to create a space for people to feel free and to receive sort of what happens when we let go, and then we just allow the Lord to, to move. And um, There's no striving that we can do to cause people to meet the Lord. He wants it so, so desperately to connect with us. And it's what we desire as well at all of our campuses to have moments and experiences that are so real, so true, that you can't help but just fall on your knees and say, Lord, I understand how much you love me. I love you too. I understand how much you've forgiven me. Thank you. And God designed it that way. That's how he created music was to really just galvanize a thing, to galvanize a body, to galvanize a people. And when you have that together, you have something so powerful, so beautiful, so moving that you just want to join in. It's hard to join into many things. It's much easier to join into this one beautiful, loving thing that we do called worship. It was a Danish philosopher, um, Soren Kierkegaard, in the uh, 19th century who called the church out for its failure to understand what roles they needed to play when they gathered at church. Uh, Kierkegaard said, we, we've set the roles wrong. Uh, we have made God the promoter uh, of our worship, and then the worship leaders, we've turned them into performers, which makes the congregation the audience. Kierkegaard said, uh, we should make the worship leader the prompter, and we should make the congregation then the performer so that God can be the audience. When we're worshiping God, we're not the audience. He's the audience. So if we act like an audience, we're actually taking his role from him. So we enter in realizing, no, it's our job to actually participate in this. Uh, and, and, and because God prefers it that way. He'd much rather hearing, hear all of us singing together, even if to us it doesn't sound as good. Uh, for some of us, we say, well, I don't have a great singing voice. And, you know, I think I would even bother the people around me. So I'm actually sparing them. Uh, but God says, no, I, I like it when you all sing. And you know what? I think your neighbor, I think it would bless your neighbor uh, as well if you would sing more. Because even if just they can hear that you don't have a perfect singing voice, but what happens is they, they, they feel that emotion that's coming out and then they're encouraged. Hey, I don't have to have a good singing voice to sing at Cornerstone. I can just join in uh, with this Buckethead Choir and we're gonna make joyful noise 
um, to God. And so I think when you sing louder, then the people around you um, do as well, which is beautiful because maybe they were so discouraged when they came in here, the last thing they pictured themselves doing when they got out of their car in the parking lot was 15 minutes later, they'd be singing. And as they sang, their spirits uh, would, be, would be lifted. You know, I was reading um, yesterday about the Last Supper again, and it's, a, it's a, a passage of scripture I return to often. And it just occurred to me, you know, Jesus was just already going through it at dinner. And the disciples weren't making it any easier. I mean, Judas left, and then Peter wouldn't shut up, and then, and then now it's time to go to Gethsemane. And the night has started, and Jesus knows what's going to happen. But right before they leave, he turns to the disciples and he says, hey, I know what let's do. Let's sing. Let's sing a hymn. And I'm convinced that Jesus needed to hear his best friends singing um, in that moment. And I think somebody near you needed to hear you sing today. So I hope you didn't let them down. You have one more opportunity after this sermon um, because your voice actually matters way more than you know. The question is not, um, are you a good singer? The question is, are you part of this group? Because we're a choir. That's, that's what we are. Um, the question isn't, do you have a great voice? The question is, do you have a voice? And do you have a song to sing? And, and I think you do. I think the very fact that you're saved is, is a good thing to sing about, that you've been redeemed, that you're not gonna face the penalties of the mistakes you've made in your life, that your heavenly father is giving you hope. He calls you his friend. And uh, you, you have a, a great future. And even if you're in pain, you know, it's, it's been proven that people in pain, if they would sing, that, that it actually uh, releases some endorphins that, that release them of some of that pain. Singing about God uh, softens our pain and it restores our hope. Dr. James Norris is, uh, leads the music department at uh, Howard University. And Howard University is a proud uh, African-American um, university. And uh, Howard has become a, an expert on the, uh, the, the spirituals that the slaves sang, the African-American spirituals. And he was recently interviewed. And he said, you know, I look at the spirituals and I marvel on how we got through the horrors of slavery. And the interviewer, himself also African-American, said, well, how did we get through the horrors of slavery? And, and, and Norris said, by singing. Uh, when we sang, we lifted each other's um, spirits and we gave each other hope. And then Norris just gently starts singing one of the old spirituals, um, Wade in the Water. Child, wait in the water. God's going to trouble this water. Don't, don't, you're not going to be able to get out of this, what we're waiting in right now, they were saying. But God's on his way. And when he gets here, he's going to change things. You know, that's a beautiful thing. Uh, when we lose hope um, or when we have something to celebrate, if we'll break through and allow ourselves to sing. And at first it might feel a little awkward to you and not natural, but over time it's gonna become one of the favorite things that you do. All right, I think that's enough for today. Let me pray for you and give you one more chance to get it right.
Father, I love this group so much, and what a joy it's been to teach on this topic today. And Lord, thank you for giving us music. And uh, so we ask you, Lord, to help us to uh, learn to become uh, the choir instead of the audience as our hearts uh, are lifted up to you and our voices combine in song. We pray these things in Christ's name and everyone on all the campuses said,